Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Down the block, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We drive, we dropped our live reaction uh, to State of Origin Game 3 last night. As soon as the game finished, we jumped behind the mic, we spoke about all of our thoughts. Sort of thought it would go for 10 or 15 minutes, ended up going for about 25, 30 minutes. So if you haven't listened to that, go and have a listen to that first. Bit more of a raw sort of reaction. Um, and I find with big games of footy like this, when I'm watching them, I was obviously commentating this one on the Hijack app as well. Uh, so I find the first time you watch it, you sort of don't take it all in, or, or you watch it the second time and you look back and think, oh, it played out a little bit differently what I remember knowing how it ends up it sort of looks a little bit different at times and key moments uh, tend to mean more the second time you watch them so before I did a real deep review I did want to sit down and watch it again which I did today Um, and look I'll be honest with you I think that as far as big games go as I said when I watch games the first time and then I watch it the second time they normally look very different to me I'll be honest with you I thought this game looked pretty much exactly the same which is why I sort of say um, go back and have a listen to my raw review from last night because that was just my instant reactions to it and to be honest with you I watched it the second time uh redid my notes from it and I had a look back over them and geez like they were very very similar um to last night's to be honest with you so I sort of feel like I got a really good grasp of this game as it was so I'm not sure how long our deep review will go for because I think a lot of it I could be sort of repeating myself uh, off the back of what I spoke about last night but we'll get it stuck into what I've got here and when I've got these big games on what I do I break my notes into eight sections, uh, zero minute to the 10th, 10th to the 20, 20 to the 30, 30 to the 40, uh, and so on, and keep track of just those little 10-minute periods and what happens in that period. So the first 10 minutes I've just got here, like it was just such a brutal start. I couldn't believe how rough and tough it was early, and the line speed of Queensland was unbelievable. It was just insane. They were just coming for the Blues, and then you had Cam Murray. He got knocked out in the first tackle for New South Wales, which uh, is devastating. I've always said, you know, I love Cam Murray. I think he's the closest thing to Bradley Clyde we've 
we've seen since Bradley Clyde, um, which is, you know, a very high honour, but I genuinely believe it, have believed it for, for a couple of years. To lose Cam Murray that early in the game, devastating. Now, it obviously shakes up your interchange and everything, which was a huge worry for me. We were able to cover that. But what it meant is that you move Angus Crichton out to the edge and all of a sudden you've lost one of your guys that was going to play big minutes um, through the middle. So it, it was a big shake-up. It obviously meant that straight away that Sivitalikai, he would probably have to play a few extra minutes. Um, it just Even just losing one player that early, if you lose them 20 minutes in, it's not ideal, but you can sort of deal with it. Losing them that early uh, is devastating. And I remember you know sitting there last night and watching that just as the Blues, just as a Blues fan, just thinking, fuck, this has really put us on the back foot. We've lost a gun player, and it's also going to screw up our interchange. And then, of course, the brutality of this game and how it played out, Queensland lose two players in the next three or four minutes. Lindsay Collins, he goes down in the fourth minute, devastating for him. Um, obviously, he's come back from an ACL. He's done incredibly well to be there. I did love um, the meme that I saw in the punters and dribblers group with the Hello Sport Boys. Someone posted a picture of him celebrating after the game, still had his mouth guardian. I thought that was unreal. Um, but he got ruled out, which really messed around with their interchanges in the front row. And because Josh Papali hasn't played huge minutes this entire series, they've used him for like 30-odd minutes each game. Losing him is massive. You've got to remember as well, as much as it's a few weeks ago, I mean, they've also lost Ruben Cotter, who's another guy that was capable of playing huge minutes. If you've got a Ruben Cotter in your team, you can sort of deal with that situation. But it's because he's not there. It makes life very, very difficult. I'm not sure if the plan was for Nanai to play a full 80 minutes. He was sort of forced to. Tino played 56 minutes. Harry Grant played 51 Um Pat Carrigan played 67. Tom Gilbert on debut played 78 minutes. I mean, there's no way that this is what Billy Slater had in mind. And, of course, you also had um, the injury to Selwyn Cobbo in, in the second minute, a minute or two before that. Um, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I thought at the time watching Jerome Luai, uh, I thought it was pretty average um, the way that he carried on in that moment. He has said this morning that he didn't realise that Selwyn Cobbo was knocked out. I guess in the heat of the moment, uh, that can happen. But um, it did look pretty evident to me, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and Jerome Lawyer has refused to apologise for it. He's obviously gone and spoken to Selwyn Cobbo, as he said. So hopefully they've um, they've mended that bridge and sort of sorted that out. But uh, it's interesting, the non-apology from Jerome Lawyer. I guess that's um, the sort of swagger that he carries. But personally, um, I thought even if he didn't know he was knocked out, if, if that's true and that happened in that moment, I just thought um, that an apology, a public apology, <laughs> might be the decent sort of thing to do. But I'll be interested to hear you your guys' point of view on that. Uh, he's obviously gone and spoken to Selwyn, so hopefully they've sorted it out. Hopefully there's no bad blood there. I would imagine that Selwyn seems to be a pretty... He's competitive, obviously, but a pretty easygoing character. I think he'd be pretty understanding there. So it meant that Dane Gagai had to move to the wing, and then you saw... Uh, Kirk Hayt will move out into the centres. So it, it changes everything. Thank God for Queensland. Kirk Hayt was played in the centres, but I thought he was unreal. He scored a try later, which we'll talk about. Had the chip over the top. Did a few really good things, Kirk Hayt. Well, so to have him in the team... To move him out there, I thought that was massive. Personally, I don't think the plan was to play Nanai for 80 minutes, but these two injuries, it sort of gave Billy Slater no choice. And it's something that I'll, I'll, I'll touch on now with Billy Slater. I mean, the things that he's had to overcome in this series have been unbelievable. I was, I was having a look at it today. I mean, he lost... He's had to use five different wingers in this game. Selwyn Cobbo is the only one that's played every single game, and he lasted two minutes of game three. So it's unbelievable to think how much he's been through. He essentially had to use six wingers, if you include Dayton Gagai, who had to play 78 minutes out on the sting, six wingers in three in three origin games, which is just 
unheard of. Just crazy. Um, so Billy Slater, what he had to overcome there, we already mentioned that he lost Ruben Cotter. That was a huge loss. He was a top three player um, in their team in game one. I thought he was massive. I've always, always, obviously always been a huge fan of Cotter for so to him to lose him and overcome that. He started Tino at locking game two. He started Pat Carrigan at locking game three. I mean, three games... And Billy Slater had to start with three different lock forwards. I mean, just crazy how it played out. And then you get into Origin 3, and because of all the injuries and everything, Ben Hunt ends up playing lock. So he'd named three separate guys to kick off in the lock forward role, and then Ben Hunt had to step in and do it as well. So for all the things Billy Slater had to overcome, we haven't even mentioned Cam Munster. I mean, the biggest thing he had to overcome the week of the decider, and that happens. Just devastating for that squad. Brought in a rookie in, Tom Dearden. Hasn't played Origin before. Thrown straight into the college and did, it, did exceptionally well. I thought Dearden, he was involved very early. Um, one thing I'll talk about Dearden as we go, um, he took his medicine every single time. The thing that I love about Tom Dearden is that when he gets the ball, he will pass it if someone else is in a better position than him. If no one else is in a better position, he'll just take the hit himself. And I absolutely love that in halves. And that's how you get respect from your teammates as a ball player. And Tommy Dearden, he does it better than most. You watch him. If you go back and watch that game last night, you won't see any of them in the highlights because they weren't huge players. But every time Dearden gets the ball, he looks up and there's nothing on. Instead of just turning someone under him and handing over them, he just goes, sweet, I'll go forward myself. And you quite often find that strong, small, smaller bodies like him, they can tend to get a little bit of an advantage. And you're also expecting this guy to just dish the ball off every single time. So Tommy Dearden, I was so impressed with him. He was incredible. I loved how involved he got. Nanai, we'll talk about him a little bit more as the podcast goes on, but I thought early he was sensational. Come up with some really big offloads that were very impressive. Um, There was obviously, he had a hand in the first try that was turned over to Josh Papali'i. That was unfortunate, but I think it was the right call, realistically. Uh, Tell you what, if if you had Josh Papali'i uh, for an anytime try score, for first try score, or for two or more. Fuck me. Tough night at the office for you. We wish you all the very best. Um, there was also in the first 10 minutes the Burton high shot as well. Off the back of all these HIAs, when that happened, I sort of thought, oh my God, both these teams are going to be down to 15. This is going to be rough. He managed to play on. Uh, and I think Tino, I think he was put on report for that one. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, that was the first 10 minutes. It was... Some of the craziest football I've ever seen. I couldn't believe how fast it was. I couldn't believe how many guys got knocked out, taken from the field. I mean, that first 10 minutes, it went for about 25 minutes. It was insane. And I really, I don't really recall at any point where, you know, either team kicked into touch to pack it down for a scrum. Obviously, there was breaks in plays with the HIAs and whatnot. Uh, But I mean, to keep that intensity after HIAs and everything, I just thought it was unbelievable to watch how that first 10 minutes played out. We got to the... You know, the next 10-minute period, uh, I thought in this time, Junior Baller, he was unreal going forward. He was great in the first 10 too, but I thought there was a couple of runs here that he took that were sensational. Uh, the New South Wales Blues, they sent a lot of traffic at Tommy Dearden, and I, like they, they said during the week they were going to target him. I sort of thought this was a bluff and they were going to keep on going at DCE, but they went at Dearden, and sorry, but it wasn't working. Some of the chops he made on Martin and so, some of the tackles he made on Teddy and stuff, he was just... He was everywhere, Tommy Dearden. So impressive with the ball, but in defense, I thought he was incredible. I think he missed two tackles all night. Uh, when you're getting that much traffic center, you'd only miss two. And one of them was a bump off from uh, Daniel Toop, who was at absolute top speed that really had no impact on the game. Uh, I thought it was sensational by Dearden. Uh, poor kick from Nathan Cleary in this period that went dead. Sort of tried to put in a grubber with, with, with a bit of air to it. I, I'm not a huge fan of those kicks. I said it live on the commentary last night. Uh, so that one went dead. That was disappointing. 
There was a Nanai offload that he got to Cable. There was a few that he got that were just sensational. KP, he was looking lethal early. You could tell that he was on for a big one. And then the first try of the game came through Val Holmes. Tommy Dearden with a brilliant pass. Uh, Stephen Crichton and Daniel Tupu are responsible for this one. I thought Tupu, he made the right call. He read what was happening. Uh, Actually got decent contact on Val, but just wasn't able to hold on. So very disappointing. Uh, Critter and Tupu both should have done better in that moment. But I thought Tupu had the contact to hold on there. It was was pretty flimsy D. But credit to Dearden. It was a cracking ball. It was sensational. And Val Holmes, when you when you run that uh, that that inside shoulder line on your man, fuck it is hard to handle. Uh, and when you run it that hard and, and you catch the ball that cleanly, very hard to defend. But I thought Tupu and Critter, I thought they were in a position where they could have stopped that one. So that was very disappointing. Uh, there was another one uh, a few minutes later that KP, he got into spacing. It was a charge there, made a line break. Uh, to Jerome Lewis, credit, I don't think he had the greatest all-round game. He had some really good moments, and this was a good moment. He made a really good cover tackle on KP uh, that could have turned uh, this game very quickly. And this was probably the number one thing that I didn't notice as much last night that I really watched replaying it. The impact of Tino, he was everywhere. He was so aggressive. He was really taking it to the Blues. And uh, sometimes you just don't notice certain guys throughout games. You're watching so many things. And as much as Tino's stats line probably isn't mind-blowing, I really did think he was impressive. He had a really big game, Tino. Uh, Daniel Tupu, far out. Some of the runs he was taking and the medicine he was getting every single time, he was just getting hammered, but he just kept coming back, Toops. Credit to him. He, he, he really had to do some tough yards. Teddy's meters in the first 30 minutes was insane. I think I heard Braithen Astor say on the call uh, that he was at like 150 after 30 minutes or something like that. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the exact stats. Um, do your own research there. But Teddy was everywhere. The amount of meters he was making, just little tackle breaks that he was making. And even when he wasn't breaking tackles, he was sort of just stepping and swerving out of contact. He was looking dangerous. Scored our first try through Jerome Lewi. Brilliant click, kick. By his house partner, Nathan Cleary was perfect. Luai actually sort of tripped over uh, in the chase there. Managed to score it still, though. So that was one of the highlights for Cleary and Luai. Great little play there. I want to give credit to, and it's th- these little things that I think we overlook sometimes. If you have a look at the play, the ball that was on sort of the other side of the post. It's Abby Curacao. And he fades to the right just for a split second, yeah? It really isn't much. But if you watch on the wide shot, you watch the impact that it has on KP. He shifts his entire body weight over to the left, and then all of a sudden he has to get back to the right as quick as he can, and he just wasn't able to get there. Personally, and this is why I think Appy is such a great nine, it's these little things that really matter in games. It's when he, he does things like that, just the subtle little things that we don't notice that not too many hookers do. It really is only him and Grant that do it, and this is something that I, that I think Damien Cook probably lacks from his game, that, that awareness and that subtle little craftiness uh, that Appy Curacao has in his game. You go and watch the wide shot once again, CKP sort of leans to his left, and it just sets him on the wrong foot. And, you know, it only made a, a metre or two difference, but it made enough difference that KP knew he wasn't going to get there for that kick uh, that Jerome Luai scored off. So credit to Appy Curacao on that try. It's the little things we don't notice. Uh, but Nathan Cleary, the kick to Jerome Luai, sensational. Six all. We get into the 20-minute to 30-minute period. Um, and not a sort of heap happens in this one until the back end. Uh, there was an a- a- Angus offload that James Tedesco went through a hole. Uh, that was brought down. Cleary went uh, over to the right on the last tackle, sort of beat one, threw it out to Critter. He put in a sensational little grubber uh, to force a repeat set there. 
And then, like, nothing really happened. There was a moment there where Jerome Luai could have potentially thrown a cutout ball and hit the winger. They had an overlap, but it's one of those overlaps that's really evident on TV. It all happened so quick for him, and it would have been a bit of a, a risky pass as well, so I don't really hold that against him. Sort of in this period where Ben Hunt gets shifted into that 13 role, he starts to play there, and I thought he was so dangerous, Benny Hunt. For me, I've always said I think he's a better hooker than he is seven, and I will stand by that. But then you have a look. He's leading the Dally M's at the moment, or he was when it went, when it went behind closed doors in a fringe top eight team at halfback. I think it's his second best position. Then last night he played hooker and he played lock, so he added lock to, to his resume last night. And absolutely brained it there. I, I really do think he's probably the, the the most well-rounded player in this competition. I was talking to um, Jacko Hastings this morning. He, he, he sort of that, that was actually his quote, and I just think he put it perfectly. He's probably the most well-rounded player in this competition because. He can be an elite seven. He can be an elite nine. And he showed the other night that he can be an elite 13 as well. I honestly think you could pick him in any three of those positions and 5'8 as well. Let's be honest here. He's got such a good running game in a Kangaroos team. And they would be okay with him because he is just so talented, Benny Hunt. Uh, We'll talk about his big play later. Uh, There was a dropout in this period that Cleary forced. So another great nudge. So... You know, here he is. I think he's got two forced dropouts by this point. He's got a kick to Nathan Cleary. So he's having a pretty good game. Jacob Saifidi entered uh, the arena during this period. I thought his first 20 minutes were unbelievable. The runs he was having, I think he ran over Paddy Carrigan on his first hit up. He was just looking absolutely lethal, Jacob Saifidi. And I was sitting there going, well, this is why Freddie's picked him. And Freddie... For all of his downfalls, he does tend to get the best out of some guys that we just can't understand why they're there. And I can hear the arguments from people, oh, Regan Campbell would have done that, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, that's fine. I'm not pushing back on you. But it is funny, you know, he did this with Daniel Saifidi. He killed it. Jacob Saifidi comes on and he made a couple of errors later in the game, but... His first 20 minutes, he was so he was so up for that. And, of course, Api Curacao, it's the, it's the deception that I talk about once again, and it's those few couple of steps that he takes that he just sends defense into disarray. And this is where I sort of say that I think he is a better running nine uh, than that of Damian Cook. And I think when people think running nines, they think, oh, who's going to make the line break? Who's going to run 50 meters and, and, and run around the fullback? I mean, you see that maybe once a year, twice a year at best. It's the, it's the 10 steps that you take out around the ruck that make you a really good running nine. And this is what Appy does better than anyone. He always runs the perfect lines. He always picks his perfect moments with markers. And this was a cracker. Put Jacob Saifidi over. A great little try there. New South Wales up. We're looking good. We get into the 30th to 40th minute there. And Teddy's running for huge metres. He's killing it, as I said. There was another one where he went through, but it was an obstruction with Gerbo. So that got called back there. And then... Here we are with one minute to go on the clock before halftime. I felt like New South Wales were on the front foot, and Harry Grant just comes up with an absolute special. Uh, here he is. He's the, the ball goes out to the right-hand side, and you see him before the play's on. He gives he, he gives his ass a little tap on his right-hand side. He looks at the guys there, Nanai Cable, and sort of says, hey, stay alive here. He comes out to the left, and what does that do? It forces Teddy to follow, and he just takes one step out of the line. All of a sudden, Harry Grant gets back so quickly that Teddy's got no choice to get up in the line. Uh, I know a lot of New South Wales fans mentioned said, oh, he got lucky with the rebound, and yeah, he did. Yeah, he went into uh, the knees of Jerome Luai, bounced the right way, but, I mean, that's what happens in origin. That's what happens in rugby league. Yeah, it's the reality of it. Might not have been the perfect kick, but fuck, it was a good play. It was the right play for that moment, I thought, and it fell their way, and once again... A lot of these moments that happen, the ball's on the ground, it's anyone's, and who gets there first? Queensland. Kirk Capewell gets there, playing out of position at centre. Um, just sensational. A great effort by Kirk Capewell, a great play by Harry Grant. Val Holmes misses the kick. New South Wales go up 12-10. to 
10 at half time. Um, and I went into half time and I said to my mate I was hijacking with, Nico, I sort of said like, this just feels like Queensland. This feels like Blues are going to get into the change room and go, they're down two interchanges. They should be getting tired. They're not going to get fucking tired. And they're just going to sort of find a way to hang in there. And not only did they find a way to hang in there, they were so much better in the second half. It was unbelievable. And we came out 40th to 50th minute this little period, probably highlighted by two things for me. The first one uh, was the stink between Burton and Gagai. Um, I thought both were Simbin. I thought that was fair cop. In my opinion, I think when Matt Burton's running back, Kalen Ponga stands up, and you sort of see KP, if he would have st- stood directly up, I don't think he would have run into Burton. Uh, instead, he co- he sort of stepped up and moved to the left, which he didn't know Matt Burton was there. I don't think Matt Burton expected him to step up and sort of sway to the left. So I, I really don't think Burton ran into him on purpose. I know I've had a few Queensland fans that have said that he did. I, I personally don't think he did. I think if you have a look at the replay, uh, you, you might change your mind a little bit. But regardless... Uh, two guys ran into each other. Big fucking whoop. Um, Dane Gagai, from the perspective that he would have seen it, he probably would have assumed that Burton ran into him on purpose. Maybe he did. I don't know. Uh, Gagai comes over and pushes him on the ground. And, I mean, really, should I push on the ground? <laughs> I mean, yes, Dane Gagai, he might have instigated it by pushing him. But, I mean, it's really not a big fucking deal. No one's ever going to get in trouble for pushing someone else on the ground, in my opinion. So... I think Burton then stands up and, you know, being a high-tension moment, being the guy that Matty Burton is, which I, which is what I love about him, uh, goes at Gagai and they start throwing him. And I just, I mean, it, it is what it is, yeah. You had one guy push, the other one stood up and started throwing punches and Gagai threw back. I mean, I don't know what other outcome we could have out of this other than a Simbian. And I thought that Freddie's response in the press conference was bizarre. I just, it just made no sense to me, to be honest with you. He was upset because they both got Simbian. I mean... I just, I, I, I don't get it. Like, his player could have quite easily walked away after the push and got back into the defensive line. If you have a look at KP, he got barreled into the ground. You know what KP did? He stood up, he ran, and he chased the ball, and he was standing next to DCE when he scored. I mean, I don't understand what Freddie's argument here is. It just came across as have, having a bit of a whinge to me, to be perfectly honest with you. Both got Simbin, both threw punches. Is anyone fucking shocked that when you throw a punch, you get Simbin? That's been the rule forever. It is what it is. Burton knows that. Gagai knows that. That's why Tino came in and didn't punch him. He held on to him. And I know, I know the Blues were complaining about that too. I mean, if if the roles were, were reversed, as if a New South Wales player wouldn't grab Dane Gagai if they were standing there and, and put, pull him out. And I mean, yes, he put him in a headlock, but I really don't think it was. And there was no punches thrown after the headlock either. So I just, I don't know. I, I just, I thought Freddie handled this situation poorly. Um, I don't understand why he was complaining about this. It felt like he was just grasping at something to complain about, which for me, as a huge Brad Fittler fan and as a New South Wales fan, I found really disappointing. We made so many errors in that game. We let ourselves down so many times to try and complain about that moment and say that the officials got it wrong. I thought that was bullshit. I thought the officials nailed it. They got it right. The Blues got the fucking penalty. I mean, I just don't understand what Freddie's take was there. It was just bizarre. So that was what dominated that first period. The other one that dominated it, or that was worth noting, I thought, was the 45th minute when Sifatalakai finally got on the field. They planted him over on that left side as anticipated. We spoke about it during the week. And look, to be fair, I thought Sifa's first six, seven minutes was pretty good. I thought he did some good things, took some good hit-ups, made some good tackles, made a good cover tackle at another point. Uh, but then it sort of fell apart for Sifa, unfortunately, which was hard to watch as a guy that's from my local area and know a lot of his friends and family and everything. It was tough to watch, but we'll talk about that soon. 50th minute to the 60th minute. Uh, Gagai and Burton, they come back on the field in about the 52nd minute. Another Nanai tap back. 
to Josh Papali again, unbelievably. This one was called a knock-on once again, similar to the first one. Once again, I think it was the right call. Uh, but Nanai, as much as he didn't set up plays like that or it didn't come off, you can just see the raw ability he's got that no one else really does realistically. Like, I just can't even think of another forward that's able to do the sort of stuff he's able to do off kicks as regularly as he does it. It's incredible, Nanai. And once again, you poor bastards out there, if you had Josh Papali any timer, you had him for two plus. Uh, bizarre if you had him for that. But if you did, uh, you got very unlucky there because it could have quite easily gone their way. And it could have been a case of Jeremiah Nanai having a huge say on this game, despite I thought he was fantastic anyway. Worth noting, 53rd minute. Damien Cook comes on the field, so Api Curacao leaves then as well. Uh, Queensland had a cracking set out of their own end, and this is when it's still sort of even at this point. Uh, and then I thought the real turning point in this game, and uh, this is where I say that Jerome Luai had a really mixed bag. He had obviously scored the try early, had a great cover tackle on KP early that, that saved a lot of momentum. The pass that he threw over the sideline. Um, I'm all for guys backing themselves and having a crack at things, but you back yourself and you have a crack at things in the right moments. And personally, I didn't think this was. I, I know there was space there. I understand what Jerome was trying to do. But one, the wrong guy was there. It was Sifa Talakai. And two, there was space there, but Sifa wasn't in that space. He was about a metre short of it, and he just made it hard for him. And even if he got the ball to Sifa, I think he would have just been swallowed up straight away, and he probably would have been pushed sideways realistically. So... Uh, heat of the moment thing, and this is what happens when you when you, there's pressure being built on you. You come up with plays that you don't normally do, and that's one that Jerome Luai. I mean, when was the last time you saw him throw a you know a cutout pass coming out of his own ten for the Penrith Panthers? Doesn't really happen all that often, and this is what pressure does to you. So I thought that was a poor play, a poor choice of play there by Jerome Luai. And personally, I thought uh, it was a real turning point because it started to give um, the Queensland Maroons a lot of ascendancy as far to, as far as uh field position goes. Nothing came of that set. That's where Kurt Capel threw the no-look forward pass over his head. But once again, the pass before that was sensational by young Nanai. So New South Wales sort of got away with that one, but it just kept the ball down that end. And eventually, the field position started to turn, and Ben Hunt, he nailed a 40-20 in the 57th minute. It was an absolute cracker. Uh, Jumped into dummy half, and I'm pretty sure he was playing 13. Maybe Harry Grant was on the field, but I I, I thought um, he he was still on. Anyway, Ben Hunt nailed this 40-20, an absolute cracker. A huge turning point. And these are probably the two biggest turning points for me. I think that it was the Jerome Luai pass over the sideline into the Ben Hunt 40-20. These are about two or three minutes apart from each other from memory. Um, and I thought these were just massive moments in this game. So credit to Ben Hunt coming up with a huge play. He'd obviously come up with one later, but game was sort of over by that point. He did very well to, to, to catch the chip. We'll talk about it soon. But this one that was in-game when the game was close, I thought it was a sensational effort by Benny Hunt. Uh, And then you could see in those few sets, and it's probably something I didn't overly notice last night, but watching it back and knowing what's going to happen, KP just planted himself on Sifatalika and Jerome Luai. He was going at them for three or four sets. Um, They didn't really get anything out of it. They kept going at him. Um, Unfortunately, Stephen Crichton, this is when he had the offload that went back into the in goals. Another really costly play there. Uh, And then we get the ball back. Sorry, Queensland. We, Jesus Christ. We, (laughs) did it again. Queensland, get the ball back off the line. Drop out. Tommy did. Another situation where he looked up, there was nothing on, so he took the run himself. And he, he made some good little inroads. Yeah, he sort of got the ball on the inside. Instead of handing it off, he just went straight. And then they score off the next play. And this is where KP, as I said, he planted himself opposite Sifatalakai and Jerome Luai for the last few plays, and he gets on these guys. And look, once again, I think it was a tackle that both of them should have made. I think Luai and Talakai 
It's not like they were in a bad spot. The guys around them let themselves down. They were in a good spot to make that tackle. In that moment, KP just wanted it more. He managed to burst through them, and then he put on a cracking right foot step on James Tedesco to score there. So, Kalen Ponga, we did mention it on the podcast yesterday that if Queensland win, we think he will be the man of the match. He did end up getting it at $13. So, the few of you that messaged me and got on that, congratulations to you. I wish I would have fucking listened uh, to myself and got on it. But KP, a huge moment there. He'd been going at Luan Talakai for the last few plays, and he finally got the best of them. And then that step on, on Teddy, wow. Um, 20 minutes to go. Queensland up now. Uh, New South Wales, they're really struggling to get out of their own end. And Queensland, every time they get the ball, they were just kicking on second and third tackle. And every single time the ball would bounce, this is where DCE really took control of this game and he was sensational. His kicking game was unbelievable, but his long kicking game, it wasn't about where he kicked it, it was when he kicked it. And it was second and third tacklers. If he could see space, he just booted it down there. And the New South Wales forwards, they just couldn't get back. They could not get back there. So it turned into one out, one out, one out, get to a kick for New South Wales. And most of the time, because they were under pressure and they were trying to get out of this rut that Queensland were putting in with their kicking game, they were coming up with mistakes. Um, There was a few here, obviously... And this is where it sort of fell apart a little bit for Sifatalakai. They get the ball back to about halfway. Uh, he goes to play the ball, a, a pretty average play the ball. You've, you've probably seen worse get away with in the NRL. But for me, uh, that's a turnover. If you if you can't stand up to play the ball and you're falling over, I'm not sure if there was a push or whatever. I haven't watched it that, that, that closely. I haven't heard anyone complain about it, so probably not. Um, Sifa turns the ball over. And then I, I don't know if it was Sifa or who it was, but there was a bit of back chat on that play, so a penalty. All of a sudden, you know, DCE... The, the set before he kicks it on second tackle. New South Wales get tackled on their own, 25. Their entire team is trying to get back on side for three tackles. They get it to halfway and they force an error. Penalty Queensland. All of a sudden, DCE is kicked to the 25-metre line on second tackle, which is a big punt in rugby league. All of a sudden, 40 seconds later, they've got a tap 30 metres out from the New South Wales line. This is where it really started to turn. They eventually turn the ball over the end of that set. And unfortunately... Sifa, after messing up that play, the ball, he comes out of his own end. He sort of goes sideways. He's holding the ball in one hand, which for me, cardinal sin. You just can't do it. You cannot be playing in an origin game, especially coming off a handling error mistake the set before and carry the ball like that. Absolutely love Sifa, but... Uh, he's got to learn from from that mistake there, which I'm sure he will. Uh, he would have taken that one very, very hard, Sifatalakai. So hope he's okay, but a pretty poor mistake there. And I just thought... Probably just a little bit of inexperience coming through in Sifra in that moment. Just ball security is just so important coming off your own line. And you know what? Most of the time you'll get away with it in Clubland, which is where Sifra's played all of his footy, obviously. But you get into the Origin Arena and a decider at Suncorp, and it is just a different game. So disappointing uh, on that play there. Queensland came close. Uh, Grant almost put uh, Tino over. Uh, And then in this period here... There was a couple of times where the ball was on the ground. There was a there was an offload that, that came back around this time. The ball was on the ground. It's 50-50 ball in Queensland. They just win these 50-50 opportunities. Have the same thing when Kurt Capel. When the ball was on the ground, Queensland just win these 50-50 opportunities when it, when it is 100% 50-50 between the two teams. Uh, there was another one here where Burton, he was forced in the in goals for, for a line dropout off a really good kick. Um, Harry Grant got awarded that try, then it got taken off him. For me, I think that was the best thing that could have happened in New South Wales. It just gave them a little bit of a breather, a little bit of time to reset because Queensland were on the front foot and they still weren't able um, to to keep them down. And then you had this this forced dropout, obviously. And Cleary, I, I swear, if you listen to the hijack last week or if you listen to it, I spoke about this. This is something I would do more of. And 
you quite often see this in like touch and Oztag comps where guys put the ball on the ground to kick off and they just like essentially grubber it as hard as they can. And eventually you get a big bounce that you just can't handle. And we used to play in, in a touch footy comp where that's how you would kick off. That's how you would do your line dropouts. And if the ball went out, you would get the ball back. And we used to do it all the time. And it's near impossible to handle. And you saw in that moment that Nathan Cleary, he just did a line dropout that just went straight along the ground. And Tom Gilbert, he, he stood no chance of catching that. When it's when it's coming at you that quick and you've got guys in your face, the guys that stand in those positions, they're never going to catch that ball. I don't understand why more teams don't do it. Gilbert got a little rebound off his foot. It's going out for all money. And Val Holmes jumps into the third row of the crowd and flicks it back in. Uh, there's arguments that his foot was on the line. Maybe it was. I, I don't fucking know. It w- that, that wasn't the moment that lost this game for us. There is no no denying that whatsoever for me. There, that, that is not the moment that lost this game for us. It still might have been on the line. So fucking be it. Once again, the ball got thrown in. It was a 50-50 ball. Queensland come up with it through, through, through Tom Gilbert once again. There's just these 50-50 moments where the ball's on the ground and the New South Wales Blues, we just can't seem to win them. We got into, there was another one a few minutes later where Carrigan, very average offload, hit the ground in the middle of the ruck. It was anyone's ball. And of course, Tom Dearden comes up with it. Just these moments that are 50-50 that it just seems like Queensland want it more in those moments. And it is so fucking frustrating to watch. We got down to the last 10 minutes um, and there was a kick that DCE put in. Not much of a kick, but it was just it's just well-placed. And Teddy had to pick it up on his shoelace. He did sensationally well to pick it up and then got smashed into traffic. Um, now, Teddy picked that up. He got tackled on the three-meter line. Five tackles later, Cleary kicked from the eight-meter line. So that line speed by Queensland to keep them there. And New South Wales threw a bit at him. It wasn't just one-ups. They weren't getting where They spread the ball out to Liam Martin. Great tackle by Tom Dearden once again. They just couldn't get out of their own end. And this is what building pressure does. And this is what line speed, and this is Queensland. They just had the perfect second half for the occasion. They didn't let New South Wales get any field position at all. They had very few um, attacking opportunities. Uh, so, yeah, Nathan Cleary kicks up from his own eight metres. Miracle, the ball managed to bounce. It lands in Burton, who's got the biggest foot in the game. He kicks it again. So we kick from our eight metre. We catch it on halfway. We, we kick it again. We get it down to about the 20 metre line, which to kick it from your eight metre and get it to the 20 metre line, sensational. But then we let Corey Oates pick up the ball and he runs 30 metres back. He returns it to halfway. So all of a sudden, when Queensland deserved the ascendancy, New South Wales got lucky and sort of won it on that play by getting two kicks in. And then we let Corey Oates run back 30 metres, break a tackle, have a half line break. And then all of a sudden, Queensland's on the front foot again. Just, just devastating stuff. Now, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's a moment here that I want to talk about, and I've got a post on Instagram about it, which if you go and have a look, you'll see it. Jeremiah Nanai, he's a guy that came into this game. I was worried about him defensively. Uh, I knew an attack he had upside. We all knew that. He was unlucky not to set up two tries in this game, realistically. But there's a tackle he makes on James Tedesco where he tackles Brian Tyo, and I have no doubt whatsoever that they purposely went at Jeremiah Nanai to get him into first marker. This would be something that the New South Wales Blues would identify because typically, Jeremiah Nanai, he tends to get lazy when you have two or three efforts. That's been his problem the first 10 weeks of the NRL season. He started to turn it around. There's no doubt about that. But for 
for me, getting in the Origin Arena in a decider, being a starting player where they can get at you more, especially after you've played the entire game. I remember when, when this play happened, I saw it happening. And I thought, okay, here we go. Nanai, he probably won't make this. This is the sort of tackle that Nanai would miss or he would fall off or he wouldn't get there in time. And to his credit, and to Billy Slater's credit for filling this kid with confidence and backing himself, Nanai was there to make the tackle. Uh, it was a pretty simple Plain old tackle, uh, one-on-one, just cut him. It's where he needed to be. But quite often, when you've played 75 minutes of brutal origin football, you could miss that occasion and miss that moment. If anyone was going to miss it, if you would have said to me three weeks ago, Who, who's going to miss that tackle? I probably would have said, well, is the guy that I worry about the most. I know he's a gun in attack, but defensively, there can be issues. And in that moment, he really stood up. I was very impressed with him. So congratulations to Nanai. And then, of course, the moment came. Cleary, two minutes to go, chip over the top. Ben Hunt swallows it. He goes the length and scores, goes 60 metres, what, what, however fucking long it was. Incredible moment for Ben Hunt. We've spoken about him a lot. That's the moment he deserved. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you still think that Ben Hunt isn't a weapon, you're an idiot. I said this six years ago. Well, I, I didn't have the podcast then, but ever since I've had this podcast page, whatever, I've always backed Ben Hunt. He's always been a weapon. He's always been this good. He just hasn't been in great teams. And so many people try and hold on to that 2015 grand final. And for the thousandth fucking time, I'll repeat it again. If he wasn't in that team, they wouldn't have made the grand final. They wouldn't have made the top four. And I'll tell you what, they would have been at the bottom of the eight. They wouldn't have got anywhere near that grand final. Shit happens. He made a mistake in that game, but credit to him for bouncing back from it. Because as I said last night in the um, instant review, I don't think there's ever been a worst moment for an individual in the history of rugby league. And if if you've got one that's worse, then kick off in golden point and you drop it, and then they kick the field goal the next set. I'm more than willing to hear it, but I don't think there's ever been a worse moment for an individual. And for him to come back from that seven years later, set up this try at Suncorp to win it for Queensland, a sensational effort by Benny Hunt. I've got all the time in the world for this guy. So yeah, my, my notes at the bottom that I probably didn't pick up from last night, just how good Cherry's kicking game was. I knew it was good, but watching it again today and the way that he kicked early in sets, that's what won this game for them. Tino, I didn't really notice him last night when I was live. I knew he played well, but I didn't realize how well he played. He was great. That Nanai tackle, sort of, I, I saw it live, but I didn't really appreciate how much of a big moment it was. In my opinion, it was a huge moment. Anyway, I'm sure there will be people that will say, oh, it's just a stock standard tackle, but... For Jeremiah Nanai, who has struggled with that sort of stuff, who was forced to play big minutes, I think he would have been expecting to play 50-60 to be in the 75th minute with the pace of that game and how quick it was, having already made 30-odd tackles, to come up with that effort play to do that in that big moment. I thought that was huge for Nanai. As far as the Blues go, I thought the back three were really good. Um, they just went all night. They just kept going. I thought Daniel Tupu took his medicine time and time again. I know there's been a lot of criticism of Nathan Cleary off the back of I'm not even sure. I think it's the, the chip kick at the end. I mean, that was a Hail Mary play at the end of the day. There was nothing on. They had no field position. They had no go forward. Um, yeah, was it the perfect kick for the moment? No, it probably wasn't. But if he would have bombed it and Queensland came down with it, you know, like they did every other fucking time the entire game, you would have probably said, oh, why didn't he do something else in that moment? I thought Cleary was pretty solid, to be honest with you. He kicked the ball dead at another point. I thought he defended well. He took on the line well. Uh, but when you are a halfback, it's on you to win those games of football. He wasn't able to get it done at the back end. And, you know, like all halfbacks before, that's sort of what you're judged on, unfortunately. So disappointing for Nathan Cleary. Uh, well, as a New South Wales fan anyway, I'm, I'm sure Queensland fans couldn't give a flying fuck. Pro- probably enjoyed it realistically. Uh, but there will be bigger moments to come for Nathan Cleary. There is no doubt in my mind on that. I know people think I'm, I'm like a... Uh, a Nate Cleary homer or whatever, but 
He's incredibly talented and he will get there eventually. Jerome Luai, bit of a mixed bag, had a couple of good moments, had a couple of poor moments as well in defense and stuff and the Selwyn Cobo thing at the start. Very mixed bag for Jerome Luai. It'll be interesting. I mean, if something happens that we get to Origin next year and, you know, the Panthers aren't going too crash hot or whatever and maybe Jerome Luai's a little bit out of form, I wonder if the Blues just stick with him or... Is that an opportunity to get Matt Burton into this team? Is that an opportunity to get Jack Whiten into this team? They've got a couple of options there. If Luke Keery's back playing his absolute best footy, he might come into consideration. So it'll be interesting next year how it plays out with Jerome Luai because I definitely thought it was a mixed bag. I thought across the series he he was pretty solid, uh, but an interesting one to watch. But I really did think the key errors for New South Wales coming out of their own end, they were just so costly. And for me, um, it was Queensland's kicking game paired with the errors that New South Wales made coming out of their own end that lost this game. But those errors came off the back of the pressure of the kicking game by DCN. A couple of really good nudges by Ben Hunt as well. Uh, congratulations to the Queensland Maroons. A huge win. Congratulations to Billy Slater. Incredible what he's done. Um, I'm, I'm so impressed with what they've achieved. Devastated at the same time as New South Wales fan. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but so happy for Billy Slater. So happy for Ben Hunt as well. I thought that was just massive for the career of Ben Hunt. He's waited a long time for that. And he deserved every single second um, of of the praise. And just that moment he got to stand on his own in a packed Suncorp after everything he's been through, all the fucking idiots that have talked shit about him, for him to own that moment and win that series for them, I thought that was sensational for Benny Hunt. Congratulations to the Queensland Maroons. Unreal performance. As I said, I did drop my live review um, to the game last night as soon as it finished. So if you're listening to this one, you haven't listened to that one yet, I highly advise you go and pair this with that one. Go back and have a listen to it. Similar sort of stuff, but I spoke probably more in depth about certain Queensland players that I thought performed incredibly well. Uh, that's going to be the end of our coverage of State of Origin uh, for this year on the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We'll see if anything else pops up, uh, but I think that'll be about it, guys. Thank you for all your support during the Origin period. We put out a heap of content. I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed it and have received a number of fantastic messages from you guys over the last three or four weeks about our coverage about State of Origin. So fantastic to see. There is a bit more content coming on the Instagram page over the next 24 hours or so uh, and then we'll be diving straight back into our normal Supercoach content and NRL Finals content which is just around the corner. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.